Hello, this is Aaron Bounds, pastor of the Anchor Church located in Zanesville, Ohio. I want to say thanks for tuning in today. I hope this podcast inspires you, encourages you, and helps you to live the life God called you to live. Amen. We're so glad you're here today. And this wonderful praise team, haven't we been blessed today? Praise God. Praise God. And Brother Zion singing today. Amen. Are we blessed? Thank you, Lord. The book of Ezekiel chapter 22, reading with verse 29. Ezekiel chapter 22, reading with verse 29. Man, the Lord has been good to me. Let's all stand for the reading of the word. We're also going to pray today for Bishop Ferris. He has uh, been very critical, has had some heart issues for a period of time. and uh, But we want to ask God to help him and be with him today. He needs a touch of the Lord. I was with him on Thursday and spent several hours with Sister Ferris and Brother Ferris and Angie and Landon as they are with him at this very critical time. But we are believing for the touch of the Lord in his life and that God's will would be done. I asked him, I said, Bishop, how do you want us to pray? He said, I want you to pray for the will of God. I said, yes, sir, that's what we're going to pray for. Before we move any further, would you lay your Bibles down and just open your heart to the Lord and ask God to be with Bishop Larry Ferris. Lord, we pray for strength, the visitation of your spirit to be right there in that room with him. Sister Ferris and Angie and Landon and those that have gathered around, the family that are there, the friends that have gathered, the saints that he pastors. I pray for strength right now in Jesus' name. Those elders, oh God, those wonderful people that look up to him as the man of God in their life, that they would be touched. And I pray for Bishop today that you would strengthen him. God, in Jesus' name, somebody say amen. It's good to have with us our North American missionaries to Grove City. And that is brother and sister Ipoch. And they are just got approved to plant a church in Grove City, Ohio, in the Columbus area. Would you welcome them? We're so glad they are here today. They've come to be in church with us. And to all of our guests, we're glad you're here. But somebody very, very important to my wife and I is Ann Wood. She is our neighbor for about 16 years, and we're so glad you're here. It means so much to us. And Misty, her daughter, which is now our neighbor as well, and uh, so thankful. That they, they, they made my week, and I'm glad you're here. Amazing people, amazing neighbors, and we're so blessed to have you. In the book of Ezekiel, chapter 22, verse 29, my heart is heavy for what I feel today. I felt the Lord actually speak to my spirit this morning. And uh, in the end time, the book of Revelation, we understand the book of Revelation is that it, it covers the end, talks about the end. And over and over again, it says this statement, he that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit, capital S, what the Spirit is saying to the church. We have to be uh, aware of what God is doing in this hour. We can see what the devil's doing. We can see what culture's doing. The way of our nation, the way we can see the way things are going. But we have to be aware of what God is doing. We need to listen to him. What's he doing in our, in our day? I believe he's coming. But I believe before he comes, he has some things that he wants to do. 
Do you believe that? So we got to be very keen. And so in Ezekiel chapter 22, verse 29, would you just close your eyes and ask God to speak to you through his word? Would you do that now before I even read it? God, I pray that as their pastor, preacher of this congregation, pastor of this congregation, that you would speak through me today, that we would hear what you're doing. Let us, our hearts be open to your word in Jesus' name. Ezekiel 22, 29, it says, The people of the land have used oppression and exercised robbery. You see that? And have vexed the poor and needy. Yea, they have oppressed the stranger wrongfully. And so the Lord is revealing what people of the land are doing. He's, he's very, very upset with what's happening right here. He's, he calls out the sin of the land. And verse 30 says, though, and I sought for a man among them, sought for a man among them that should make up the hedge and stand in the gap before me for the land that I should not destroy it, but I found none. God said, I'm angry with what they're doing. I look for somebody to petition me. I look for somebody to be the mediator between them and me. I look for somebody to stand in the gap, but I couldn't find anybody. Verse 31 says, Therefore have I poured out mine indignation upon them. I have consumed them with the fire of my wrath. Their own way have I recompensed upon their own heads, saith the Lord God. Meaning the path they chose, he allowed what they did to come back on them. Because no one stood in the gap. I look for somebody but no one stood in the gap. I, I want to preach to you today about standing in the gap. There are verses like, he revealeth his secrets unto the prophets. We read a verse like this, that Jesus, there's one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. Aren't you glad somebody stood between you and God and petitioned mercy for your life when you deserved the judgment of God? God gave you mercy. Come on, how many feel that way? I'm glad God gave me mercy. I was a sinner. I need it saved. Lord, I pray one more time that we would receive your word as you have spoken it. I pray that God, that you would minister to this congregation. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Won't before your seat to greet a few people around you and tell them, I'm so glad you're at church with me today. Thanks for coming. Your smile has made a difference. Tell somebody I like your hair better than I do mine. Come on, tell somebody near you, I like your hair better than I do mine. You may be seated. Not one person said that to me. Not one person got out of the seat and said that. They was afraid, they'd afraid they look like me. They'd, they'd lose it all. You know, God really does love us, doesn't he? There, there's this verse that I love that says that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. I do think there is something to understand about the nature of the God, and that is God is emotional. 
God gets jealous. He gets angry. He loves to be praised. We find in scripture where he was joyful. He leaped and spun in circles talking about forgiveness. He did. He was, he was exuberant. Uh, we see that he got angry and, you know, turned the tables over in the temple because they'd taken the house of prayer and turned it to a den of thieves. Uh, but some of you got God wrong that he's always angry. I've had people say, well, I just, just feel like God wants to kill me. If he wanted to kill you, there ain't nothing stopping him. It's just, just there, there's verses, though, that define the Lord that says that he's slow to anger and he's quick to forgive. That's, that's what the Bible says about him. And I believe that. But some people always feel like they're in trouble with God and it's just not the case. But there are some people that are in trouble with God. And so there's these things that you begin to see in scripture and the text that I read today when he looked at the land and, and they're exploiting the poor. They are using oppression. They are, they're doing people wrong. They're, they're, they're vexing the needy. You want to talk about the judgment of God. Look what happens in the anger of God when somebody takes advantage of the poor. People that are down and out and take that there's a whole new level of judgment on that and not just sin but exploiting that and God's anger and wrath we see in Ezekiel chapter 22 and we see the anger of God so kindled because they oppressed they vexed they did wrong they strongly came against them and God was very upset now God makes this statement. He said, I look for somebody to stand between me and them, but I couldn't find anybody. And so my indignation was released upon them. I put their own ways upon their own head and allowed them to be done to them what they were doing to others. That's what it's saying. I want you to know today that we all have something in common. It's that we've all sinned. Everybody. We've all sinned and come short of the glory or the perfection of God. All of sin. Look at your neighbor and say, that's me and you. There's this verse, though, that says that the wages of sin is death. With sin comes judgment. We know that. We read about it in Revelation. We're going to stand. We're going to give account for every work that we've done. Everything that we've done wrong. We will stand before God. And uh, that's not comforting. Especially if you don't have it right with the Lord. And um, he said, I looked for a man to stand in the gap, but I couldn't find anybody. In Genesis 19, and you don't have to turn there, but you can reference it later if you like. But in Genesis 18 and 19, the story unfolds about a city by the name of Sodom and a neighboring city, Gomorrah. How many's ever heard of that? Studies would reveal that it is the deepest hole that now we're a sea or a body of water lands. It's a, it's a hole from the land that has sunk down. It's now known as the Dead Sea because when God brought the fire and brimstone down, it was as if he punched it with his fist. And the land, if you could take a piece of paper and just push it down, the paper would just pull in that direction. Every body of water around it flows into it, but nothing flows out of it. There's no life in it. They had found... They had found uh, city walls inside of that city where God had brought judgment to that city. God must have been very 
very angry with Sodom. How many know it? And uh, he was so upset that God comes to Abraham and he says to Abraham, he said, Abraham, the angels came and told him, said, and the Lord spoke through them. And, and the Lord said, Abraham, I'm very angry with Sodom and I'm going to bring judgment to them. Uh, we, we hear a lot about the grace and mercy of God, but don't ever forget there is the wrath of God. How many know it's true? We're saved because of the goodness of God. Because we understand with the fear of God, what happens if we don't get right with God? And, and he came and said, Abraham, I have seen the wickedness of Sodom and Gomorrah. And I want you to know that I'm going to destroy it with fire and brimstone. When he said that, Abraham said, oh God. Lord, would, if, if there's 50 righteous, will you spare the city? God, I, I'm asking you, Lord, because I think in the back of his mind, he understood that he has a nephew by the name of Lot that broke away from him because there's quarreling on whose cows belong to who. And, and he told Lot, he said, you just go, you go north, I'll go south. You go east, I'll go west, but you go. And, and Lot chose him, the plains of Jordan, and he left, he left the side of Abraham to go find his wealth and took a job where really in a city where there was no good churches. He took a job and moved to a place where there was no righteous covering. And he just, it, it was a rich plain. He could get wealthy off of, the, off of the plains of Jordan. And I would say to you, be careful where you move for job positions to where you don't have a good church to go to because when he went to this city and moved there he's outside of a spiritual covering spiritual authority and the bible says he faced his home those tents he faced his home towards sodom and he had his children raised trained them up looking at the most wicked city in the world until it wasn't long until his own kids were compromised by the ways of sodom culture has a way of compromising us he didn't agree with it. The Bible says that he was a just man, just lot. But the problem was is that he allowed tolerance to ruin his family. We are living in a day and time that tolerance is the doctrine of our culture. Tolerance. To just tolerate us. And if you disagree with somebody, culture now says you hate them if you don't agree with the way they're living. That's not true. I can disagree with you and love you at the same time very, very much. That's the truth. That's the truth. And you know what makes Calvary so powerful? Is because two of the emotions of God collided at Calvary. It was his hatred for sin collided with his love for the sinner. That's why he was whipped the way he was. That's why he went through what he went through. You could see the wrath of God on the Son of God who stood in our place as men of sin. You could see what they did to him. They were putting on him what they deserved. There was wrath that was there. God was angry. People came against him. But you know what? It wasn't only the wrath of God we see at Calvary. We see his love for every sinner that's in this room. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. But whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Somebody say amen. That's why the earth shook and the rocks rent.
And the sky became dark because it was a troubling day, but it was so powerful that it changed BC to AD. Time of all of humanity goes down to that point and it goes in a different direction from that point. You know why? Because from the fall of Adam and Eve in the garden, God had a plan that man's sin will not be his final destiny, but I'm going to make a way where every sinner can be set free. I'm going to make a way where every alcoholic can be delivered. I'm going to make a way for every abuser to come out of that lifestyle of sin for God is able. He hates sin, but he loves the sinner. Look at your neighbor and say, amen. He hates alcoholism, but he loves the alcoholic. He hates perversion, but he loves those that are bound by it. He hates abuse, but loves the abuser. And somehow I've learned, even when I was in doing jail ministries, I miss it very much. Brother Paul, you and I were linked up in juvenile jail for a period of time. Some of the greatest days of my ministry were there. You know some of those kids were rotten. Some of them were bad. But some of the most brilliant kids I'd ever seen that were in that jail. And I quit asking people what they did. You know why? I quit asking them what they did when I started going to the county jail. And I quit asking, why are you here? What did you do? Every now and then I'd ask the question if I felt comfortable. But there were some times I didn't ask because I was afraid they'd tell me something that I couldn't forgive. Because I am a man. Come on, that's some of your problem. Is there some things you've done that you can't forgive? You're here hoping God will save you. You're here hoping maybe one day he's going to let you in, but you can't get over the fact that you did this, you said that, you went here, you should have never done that, and you struggle because of the things you've done. And because we are flesh, we are people, there are some things that's unfathomable for us to really find forgiveness for because how can God forgive this? Let's just be real here today. Let's just be real here today. That's why we, it's easy for us to cast judgment and the Bible says for us not to judge any man. Quit determining who God can forgive or not forgive. And I'm, hold on a minute, I'm gonna tell you individually, quit determining which sins in your life God can forgive and which sins that he can't forgive. Well, I think God can forgive, but I don't know if he can forgive what I did. Quit acting like God and let God love you through his own eyes and own heart and let God forgive what he wants to forgive. Everybody in this room's made mistakes. Everybody in this room has done things that you should not have done. The only way I know to explain it is one Sunday back here, I went to see Brother Evans, you may be seated, Brother Larry Evans, which I miss very much. I was with him when he was diagnosed with cancer. I was with him and I was the one that had to break the news to him that the doctor's done all he can do. 45 minute surgery and they sewed him back up and said, there's no hope. I had to break that news to him. That was not an easy day as a pastor. But he did live for about three and a half years. He would come to church and he would have um, the IV in with a, with a bottle in his pocket and it was the chemo going into his body and a drip at a time and how they had that set. And I went to hug him one day as I normally would because that's just my personality. And I, I went up and I said, oh, Brother Evans, so good. He said, you can't touch me, Pastor. All right, well, what is it? I, 
He said, you can't, you can't touch me because I have, I have chemo in my pocket. If it spills, he reached in his pocket and he pulled out a spill kit. And he said, if this would spill on you or me, he said, that, that stuff is so potent that it can just burn right through your skin, right through the meat and go in. I understand that. I'm not a scientist in that, but, but I took his word for it. And I said, but Brother Evans, it makes no sense. How in the world can that be going through your veins but can't be spilled on your flesh? He said, I don't understand it, but the doctor says that the blood can handle what the flesh can't take. What I've come to preach to you today is what you cannot take in your flesh, his blood can handle. His blood can forgive. His blood can set free. It doesn't matter where you've been or what you've done. Aren't you glad there's a savior that can forgive you of your sins? Somebody shout amen. So let's quit writing off certain cities. Let's quit writing off certain people. And let's quit looking in the mirror saying God doesn't love you. He does love you. And that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. Aren't you glad he forgave you one day? I think we ought to praise him in the building and thank him for his forgiveness, his power, and his love. Amen. Praise God. He's working on me. Doesn't make me perfect perfect that makes me perfecting in the mirror of his word the reflection that I see it makes me wonder why he never gave up on me but he loves me as I am he hears me when I pray remember he's the potter I'm the clay he's still working on me to make me what I ought to be. It took him just a week to make the moon and the stars, the sun and the earth, Jupiter and Mars. How loving and precious we must be because he's still working on me. We've gotta get it in our spirit. I am forgiven. I am perfecting. Come on. You got to quit beating yourself up because you slipped up and you messed up. If you fall, just fall toward him. Quit stopping and get up and say, I'm going to be what God wants me to be. Abraham, I'm angry with Sodom. I'm going to destroy that city. Oh, God. God. How many ever felt like God was angry at you? How many of you have ever felt lost at some point in your life? Raise your hand. You knew you were wrong. It's called the fear of God. The Bible says that the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. It's amazing how many things we, we wouldn't do or haven't done because we're afraid that it would, God would be mad at us. Come on, I'm speaking to Christians here. I don't want God to be upset with me. Am I right or wrong? I'm not going there. I'm not hanging out there. I'm not going to say that. I'm not going to do that. Why? Because I don't want God. It's called the fear of the Lord. But you went on and did it anyhow because peers wanted you to do it. It's what seemed to be cool. It's what everybody said. That's what culture said was okay now. And you went into it and all of a sudden you're having your fun and the pleasure of sin is only for a season. Then when the pleasure of sin wears out, you feel guilty. Feel lost. I wish I'd have never said that. I wish I'd have never started partying. I wish I'd have never, come on, am I preaching to anybody? I wish I'd never stopped, started watching that show. 
God on that website. Wish I'd have never done those things. Wish I'd have never put that in my body. Wish I'd have never started putting that in my mouth. You look over your life and say, I thought it would be better than what it is. What I feel so empty. Got all these nice things around me, but I'm not happy. You know why? Because sin always comes with an emotion. It's fun to the flesh. But it's like a bad aftertaste. You ever ate something that tastes real good till afterwards? About like those cookies you made last night, Lakin. I already told her I'm not busting her out in public. She didn't have any vanilla. She decided to use almond something. It was not good. She said, Dad, they're not that bad. I said, well, I'm going to keep drinking this milk till it's not bad anymore. Amen. I'm She makes amazing cookies. I'm just, I was just comparing them to the last batch. That's all it was. <laughs> Sins that way. Feels great until. Then it's bondage. Can't stop doing what I was doing. Lay it down 45. I'll never do it again 45 times later. Because now you're captive to it. You don't want to think that way. You don't want to lust that way. You don't even want to have those thoughts, but you can't stop thinking it. You can't stop dwelling on it. Because sin has become, you become captive to sin. Now, I'm just preaching to normal people. I don't see any halos out there. We've all dealt with it at some point. I wish I could stop. How many ever said, I wish I could stop? Come on, I, that's right. I wish I could stop, but you couldn't. <laughs> Finally, one day you said, I'm, I don't want to be wrong. I don't want to be in bondage. I want to be free. Can I just stop here and say today, before you judge anybody in the room that's exuberant, be careful to judge the worshiper and not know their story. Michael made fun of David for worshiping, but I like what somebody said one time. Don't, 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 don't judge my dance if you can't hear my song. And the reason we worship the way we worship and we're joyful and excited because we were bound, but he set us free. We were deep in sin, but he brought us out. We're no longer in bondage to the way he come on. And that's why we shout the way we shout. Every now and then I leap for joy because I was born a cripple, but he healed me. Come on, it's all right to be happy in the house of God. Has he ever done anything for you? Would you take a moment and just praise him if he's ever forgiven you? If he's ever set you free? Somebody shout amen. You might look over in church and hear somebody go, woo. They're just happy to be here. You might look over and somebody just sobbing, crying. They're not sad. That's joy. You might see somebody get out. You might see my wife get out of their seat and do this across the front of the church. You say, why does the world the first lady run across the church for? Who's she running from? She's not running from anybody. I grew up in church one time. They'd run the aisles, you know. One lady took off running around the church and here came a guy running around. It looked like he was chasing around the building, you know. People didn't know. They're just excited. She'd run that way in church every now and then. She'd get out of her seat. You know why? Because the doctor said she should never walk on that leg again, but God healed her. God, and every now and then you just need to express yourself. 
Amen. I don't want to come to one service and God look down and say, I'm, he's not thankful. He hasn't shed one tear. He hasn't lifted a hand. He hasn't, he hasn't moved his heart toward me. I want every service that he looked down and say, if it wasn't for the Lord, where would I be? My life was nothing until he set me free. You can be seated. I need to move on. Abraham. Yeah, God, I'm, I've seen the wickedness of Sodom. I've seen the wickedness of Zanesville. And I'm going to destroy it with, with fire and brimstone. Abraham, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to destroy that city. Abraham, you got to understand it's not just Sodom now. It's already spread to Gomorrah. Because always there's a different judgment when your sin becomes somebody else's sin. When your sin spreads to somebody else, you're no longer the sinner, but you're getting other people to do what you do. There's a different judgment. It's one thing for you to sin. It's another thing to grab somebody into that sin. Come on, you better listen to this preacher. And he's angry because of what Sodom is doing. Sodom is spreading. And he said, I'm gonna destroy that city but Abraham knew, I've got a nephew in that city. His wife, his girls, they've married. Bible doesn't say, but maybe they have grandkids. I don't know, but they're there. And Abraham is moved. Have to ask the question today. Why didn't God just bypass Abraham and just go destroy them? I'm gonna tell you why. Because when he gets mad, he looks for a person to stand in the gap. When he gets angry, he looks for somebody to stand in the gap. And the Bible uses this word in the New Testament as supplication. To pray with all prayer and supplication for all the saints. Supplication means to plead their cause. You act as a defense attorney. You act as an intercessor. Moses, Moses was that, even though I think he took it a little bit too far. When God was angry with him, he said, Lord, if you're gonna blot their name out, blot my name out too. He should never said that, but what he was saying was, God, don't destroy these people. I know they're building golden calves and living immoral lives and the things they're doing around this, this idolatry, but God, Spare the people, turn their heart, give them another chance. God, would you spare the city? God, if, if, if there's 50 righteous in the city, would you spare the city? God says, Abraham, I'll spare the city. You find 50 righteous, I'll spare the city. Um, I can almost see it. Uh, Lord, Lord, uh, um, please don't be angry with me, but if there's 45 righteous, will you spare the city? I'll spare the city if there's 45. He goes down, if there's 25, would you spare the city? I, please don't be angry with me. I, I, I realize that's a bad place. But would you spare the city? I'll spare the city. God, please, one, one more petition. There's 10 righteous. Will you spare the city? Don't forget that God spared the whole world for one man. His name was Noah. Oh God, would you, would you spare the city for 10 righteous? And the Lord, I, I wonder if it was Lot and his wife, their daughters, only two got out, but there was obviously more because the head Bible says 
that had son-in-laws. And he said, Abraham, if there's 10 righteous, I'm going to spare the city. And so uh, Abraham's praying and what Abraham was doing was he was pleading with God for wicked people that God would hold his indignation and that he would give them mercy. But what happens is that you'll find the next chapter, chapter 19, 1, 2, and 3, two angels show up. Because any time that you pray, angels are involved. Ask Daniel. Daniel prayed and an angel came on the 21st day and said, your, your prayer was heard on the first day, but the angel was fighting the prince of Persia, but here's your answer. Angels always deliver here and deliver. It's why the angel of the Lord shows up in Abraham's life. I believe that's why the angel of the Lord appeared to me the other day because of what he's wanting to do in this city. I really do with all of my heart. There's some racism that's going to be destroyed in this city through the power of prayer. There really is. There really is. There's, there, there's no such thing in the kingdom of God as a white church and a black church. Come on. God doesn't, God, God's colorblind. He doesn't look out of heaven and say, well, you know, this and that. No, he doesn't do that. Let me tell you something. He wants this church to be filled with every culture, every race. Every culture, every race. And I believe that's why the angel of the Lord appeared to me the other day. Come on, I'm telling you what I feel of the Lord. God's about to do something mighty and powerful in the city of Zanesville because somebody's been praying. Somebody's been touching heaven. Somebody say amen. amen. You may be seated and the angel of the Lord appears, shows up in Lot's house. Isn't it amazing out of all the families in Sodom that two angels show up at Lot's house? He opens the door. He recognizes this, the angels of the Lord. Why do the, angel goes, the angels go to Lot's house? Because Abraham was praying. Yes. Now, I realize there's some people maybe in this city that don't want to live for God. But don't ever forget, there are people in this city that want to live for God. And we have prayed. Brother Roy Barnhill taught us on Cornelius' angel. When he started praying, God sent him an angel and then connected him to the preacher. There are people here that are tired of needles. They're tired of abuse. They're tired of holding on to bitterness of what happened 35 years ago to them when they were young. They're tired of that. They're tired of that. They're tired of the repeating of the emotions they want to come out. And guess what? God's going to bring them out. God has sent them angels, going to bring them out of bitterness and hatred and oppression and depression. God's going to bring deliverance to this city. If you believe it, I want you to shout amen. Praise God. We've all been wounded. We've all been hurt at some state in our life. We got to realize that we can't live in that pain forever. The day you stop forgiving is the day you stop moving on. You stop living when you stop forgiving. How many know it's true? But God wants to do something powerful. I want you to lift your hands in this room and say, Lord, I forgive those that have hurt me. I forgive those that have trespassed against me. Come on, some of you are going way back decades ago and saying, God, I don't want to live in the hurt of yesteryear. I don't want to live in the pain of yesterday. God, I'm asking you to forgive me, to forgive those that have come against me. Come on, I want everybody in the building praying for a moment. Bow your head and close your eyes and tell the Lord, I'm sorry for the hurt I've held on to. 
It's driven me to things I never thought I'd do or be or say. I'm tired of those emotions in my life. I'm asking for healing today in my spirit. I want to be better. I want to be healed. I want joy in my life. I want to be able to sleep at night. Oh God, I want to get up in the morning with purpose. I come to tell you, God's going to set you free today if you'll let him. Somebody say amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Abraham prayed. Angels were sent. There were not, there were not 10 in the city, but God did deliver them from that city. Those that were willing to go. It's sad, Brother Cody, but Lot lost his own wife. She got sucked into the culture of Sodom. She looked at Sodom so much, you better be careful, little eyes, what you see, because the direction you face is the desires where you're going to be. If you look at Hollywood long enough, that's where you're going to want to live. Act like, look like, talk like, be like. It infected his children and his wife facing their tent towards Sodom. Facing their tent towards sodomy. Facing their tent toward immorality. Facing their tent at the expense of being accepted by culture. He said, be not conformed to this world. Be transformed by the renewing of the mind. I don't know how in the world I can preach like this and people say that I'm extreme, bold. It ought to be common. Just to quote a verse. And somebody say, well, he's too conservative. When I quote verses like, love not the world, nor the things that are in the world. If we're not careful, the church is going to be compromised into nothing different than the city. And the church will be the city instead of the church being the church. We've got to be careful. They sang it in Sunday school. Be careful, little eyes, what you see. Be careful, little ears, what you hear. There's a father up above looking down in love. Look at your neighbor and say, be careful. We cannot pray if we're conformed. But God wants this church. He wants every father in the building, every husband in the building, every wife, every mother to stand in the gap for those in your family. I think, number one, we've got to accept that our family's wrong. Uh, they're not right. They're going the wrong way. We've got to stop this where they're just finding themselves. They're just expressing themselves. That's wrong. Uh, we can't get away from verses like, if any man's going to come after me, Jesus said, let him deny himself. Take up his cross and follow me. I think we need an old-fashioned revival of conviction again where lying bothers us. Stealing bothers us. Inappropriate thing before our eyes bother us. I'm talking about old fashioned conviction where we don't want to do things because we're afraid. We're like Joseph that says, I can't do this because I can't commit this sin against my God. I'm not trying to be hard today. I'm just trying to get you ready for what God wants to do. He's coming soon. Somebody shout, the Lord is coming. When the Lord spoke to me to go to Crooksville, 
He's, he's gone. He's gone now. But Brother Eli Hernandez was there and started prophesying. And we're going to pray in just a moment. We're going to pray. How many want to be right with God? I only preach this way because I want you to be right. I want you to stand before God and say, well, nobody told me. And uh, um, we were going to Crooksville, and that was the first of now seven, seven daughter campuses. But he was in the living room. The Lord spoke to me when I was kneeling down in front of my fireplace. If you don't mind me, just, you know, let me, let me just express myself for a moment. The Lord spoke to me and said, I want you to go to Crooksville and start a church there. He said, for there's prophetic roots there that have not come to pass. He said, but when you begin to preach the gospel in that city, he said, those prophetic roots are going to sprout new life. He said, the enemy could shave Samson's head, but they couldn't touch his roots. Oh, I told Brother Mealy, you remember that, Elder Mealy? You were there. I told you, I said, go find us a building in Crooksville. And he went down and came out. He said, I found a building. I went and looked at the building. Seats about 180. There's a, church, there's a house comes with it and three parcels of ground. Come. There's a parking lot. It needed a lot of work, but he found the building and it felt right. We just didn't have any money. We didn't have enough staff to take on another church in my mind. And the prophet prophesied to me and about some things that would happen and that did come to pass and I talked myself out of it. And uh, I went to a conference and uh, how do you spell faith? R-I-S-K, Brother Hernandez had preached in our church. Everybody said it's risky. But there was a city that needed God, Brother Cody, and the Lord had sent me there. I'd been praying and interceding for that city. I would drive my red pickup truck, and when I drive that way to home, going back to West Virginia, when I drive to those small towns, I said to myself, if I believe what I believe, people are going to be lost if they don't hear a preacher because if the gospel be hid, it's hid to them that are lost. Oh, God never intended for this to be a Sunday, Wednesday thing for us. It was never the will of God. That's not a book of Acts church. I got so stirred. I got so stirred. I would pray, send them a preacher. Send them a preacher. I didn't know it was going to be me. I didn't know it was going to be me. And the Lord said, I want you to go there and start it. I went down. And, but anyhow, I told Brother Mead to find a building. He did. I went and looked at it. The problem was we didn't, have, we didn't have the money and didn't really have the staff and it seemed. And and Sister Jackie's here. She worked very, very close with me at that time. And uh, I went to a meeting. A guy called me from the district. He said, you going to be at my conference on, on Friday? I said, no. He said, well, you're speaking. <laughs> I said, nobody asked me. He said, you mean you weren't asked? I said, no. He said, well, your name's on the flyer and your picture everything. <laughs> I was supposed to be gone that day. I went to that conference. And the preacher in the middle of his preaching, with a chance, he turned around and he stopped. And he said, you know how you spell faith? R-I-S-K. And I knew that God didn't bring me to that conference for me to preach. He brought me there to confirm his word because there was a city that needed a church. I had talked myself out of going, as I told you already, that was Friday on Sunday night, I had a dream. And I had a dream that I didn't have faith enough to go where God called me. And I drug my feet and a lady with short hair bought the building and turned it into an art center. I could see her just so plainly. And I woke up and I called her. I said, uh, I got a number, 63,500. Let's make an offer. Had a board meeting, made an offer. They accepted. We still didn't have money, but we, they, they accepted it. <laughs> we, we dealed with them a little bit and, and God moved in the service. Bob Spring stood up over here on a Sunday night. I was preaching. I wasn't preaching. Brother Godwin was here. Brother Godwin stood up over here. I mean, brother, I, 
You ever heard me say, if you hear a preacher going, mm, that means he feels real good, but he doesn't know what to say. And I was going, mm. I looked at him. I said, you feel to preach? He said, obey the Holy Ghost. I said, we're going to go to Crooksville and plant a church. Becky Nutter was laying here praying in the spirit. She had prayed back through the Holy Ghost after 35 years. Miracle in her life. Bob String ran up and said, I'll give a thousand. Somebody else, I'll give two thousand. Somebody else, five. I never even took an offering. The body of Christ was just responding. All of a sudden, somebody, a little kid jumped up, Grace Mock jumped up and she said, I'll give two dollars. Forty thousand dollars later, Sister Jack, am I telling the truth? On Thursday, the last dollar came in to get the down payment to get that building. On the day of signing, the last dollar. Long story short, and I'm trying to hurry. I'm just saying that we need to know what God is saying to, the, to us in the hour. Why do we go there? We as an anchor church went there. It wasn't me. We went as a church there. When we got down there and planted that church, three and a half years later, Brother Tony <laughs> came to the Lord that morning. Yeah. The night, that night that we got the, the, the money to come in for that church. Come find out three and a half years later, he came to the Lord that morning. He woke up. In a backslidden condition, he raised up out of his bed and said, Angel, I'm going to the altar today. 22 years away from God. And we learned three and a half, year, three and a half years later, we learned three and a half years later that God had provided the money on Sunday night, but he had provided the man on Sunday morning. See, God has a plan. I feel like preaching because God has a plan. He's not done with this city. You, you get it. Write it down in your Bibles and date it today. The greatest revival in the history of Zanesville is unfolding before our eyes. It will happen. Come on, stand to your feet and clap your hands and shout. It's happening. It's happening. Watch this. As I close. As I close. Ten years later. It's an amazing story. You don't want to miss this. The banker called me and said, I'd like to talk with you, Pastor Bounce. Michael Steen's his name. He was the president of the community bank. He's the one that had given us the loan. I was sitting there telling him about how God cost the Crooksville, the community bank had given us our, that loan back in the day. And he said, I have something to tell you. I said, what's that? He said, you know, there was a lady with short hair that was from the art center that was going to buy that building. He said, but I felt hesitant because I wanted you all to have it. He said, so I waited. And he said, I'm so glad. I said, listen, I had a dream. Here's what I'm preaching about. God has called some of you to greater things, but you've been too afraid to move toward it. Faith is risky. God is called. Oh, God. I was in a mass, Massachusetts, Rhode Island district this past Tuesday and Wednesday preaching a camp meeting. And there's 48 churches in that two district area. There is a, there is a, there's a, there's a vacancy of so many churches, so many people lost away from God. He said, we want more people to come. And there was an intercessor, an intercessor that said, I was praying for the East Coast in these cities. And I asked God, why are you sending people? Why aren't, why aren't people planting churches here? And the Lord said, I sent them, but they wouldn't go. My concern today is that God is calling us to prayer. God is calling us to change our life. But we're more concerned about what they're going to think. What they did. What somebody might say. And just saying, God, I want to be what you want me to be. God's calling people, Brother Cody.
Stand in the gap. Come here, Brother Cody. You're going to be an intercessor today. Come here, Brother Dylan. He's going to be preaching to us tonight. Come here, Peyton. Stand over here. Stand over here. Peyton's a long ways away from God. Just in the example. You're going to represent the Lord. You okay? Remain standing. I'm, I, y'all feel what I'm preaching is true. I don't want to be lost. I'm going to tell you something else. I don't want this city to be lost. I don't want my friends and family to be lost. I don't want them to be lost. I don't want them to be lost. I don't want, I don't want the drug addicts in this city to be lost. If I was raised in their home, if I was raised with some of the dealers, if I was raised with around some of the friends, maybe it would be me. I looked at those jails I went to and thought, if I was in their situation, maybe it would be me. Gotta quit judging people. Put them in God's hand instead of yours. Because God can forgive whoever He wants to. Whenever He wants to. And however He wants to. Quit judging people that's passed on. And put them in God's hand. And let God's hands who's full of mercy. Come on, I feel that today in this room. Watch this. He's a long ways. That's why Sodom is the way Sodom is. Because, stand back preacher. Because he's a long ways away from God. And God said, come here Abraham. I got something I want to tell you. Reach your hand out toward him. Reach your hand out toward him. I'm going to, I see what they're doing and I'm going to destroy it. My indignation, the sin, the rampant, what's going on. I, my wrath is toward them. But when he tells him, there's something in him that came from him. It's called love. Charity, love comes from God. <laughs> but God, would you, would you spare the city? And he reaches as far as he can. And somehow gets a hold of a city. Of, a, of somebody that needs God. He says, Lord, would you spare them? Would you forgive them? God, would you? Are you okay today? All of us are here because somebody said, God, would you give them mercy? I was dirty, rotten. I was dirty, rotten. I was sinful. Come on, I needed a savior. We all had skeletons in our closets and done things we wish we'd have never done. But one day, you felt something come over you. It didn't, it didn't go from here to here. It came through here to here. Here's the problem for people. Let go. It's when there's nobody stand there. That's why we're trying to put a church in every city around town, every, in this region, every county. We're trying to do it because I believe every city that God is calling needs an intercessor. And God is saying, come here. Come here, McConnellsville. Come here, Zanesville. Come here, Athens. Who knows? Come here. 
There's a call of God to prayer. If he wakes you up at three o'clock in the morning, the easiest thing he has to do is go back to sleep. Or get up, wash your face and say, what is it you want to tell me? I need you to pray for so-and-so. It's just how God operates. Do you believe that? I want everybody in this room, I want you to start praying right now. God, thank you for forgiving me. I'm going to reach the city. I don't, I don't want God to be upset with me. I want to be forgiven, but... Here it is the day as I close. He prays and an angel comes to him. Says you need to get out of here. Just come with me. Don't look back. Come on. And the angel of the Lord. Sorry, church is not about church attendance. Church is about being right with God. Are you ready? Here's how easy you know God is trying to save you. The Bible says that godly sorrow worketh repentance. All of a sudden, you know, I feel bad about how I've lived. I got some things I need to pray about. I just, I don't know what it is, but I, I feel something happening to me. I feel like God's calling me to, I don't know, I don't even know how to explain it. But I just feel I want to change and be better. That is God. The people that can't feel anything, that's what I'm concerned about. But when God's reaching you, he's saying, come on. And you know how easy it is to get right with God? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I don't want to be a sinner. Jesus, I'm asking you to forgive me. Come on, something happens at repentance. We can talk about baptism and filling the Holy Ghost later. But right now, we need to talk about that. that that's what you do. As you say, all right. I'm, if you say to come out, God, I'm coming out. I don't want to be in sin. I, I don't want to be bound. I don't want to be caught in the judgment that's coming to this world. And I'm telling you, it's coming to the world. How many believe God's calling us to repentance? Every head bowed and every eye closed. I have preached you my spirit. Pastor Cody's getting ready to come and pray for you. He's going to give this altar call. But right now, if you're in this building and God is dealing with you, it's because somebody prayed for you. God does not want you to be lost. Your sins have caused you trouble. But God has sent you a prayer warrior. He sent you a, a praying preacher. He sent you somebody that's heard his voice that called your name out in prayer. And that's why you felt the way you feel. Because God has something better for you. Come on, the Lord's dealing with you. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Pastor Cody, I want you to come and close this service. Everybody in the building, pray with us. I want you to pray. Come on, let's pray for a moment. Come on, every voice, everybody praying right now. Oh, God. Oh. I tell some of you on this morning that... Thanks again for listening to the Anchor Church Podcast. If you enjoyed it, make sure you subscribe so you can keep up on our weekly sermons. If you're in the Zanesville area, we invite you to join us on Sundays. You can find all the details on our website at theanchor.church. Again, thanks so much for listening, and we hope to see you soon.